Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast. Yes, I'm actually up on a morning, the night after working at the working the truck, working at the grocery store, and I'm really tired and I'm really foggy. But I decided to put together a, another foggy episode of the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast. Yeah, I could do this later and be less foggy, but hey, sometimes the foggy episodes end up being pretty good. So. I figured I'd give it a shot. Something interesting happened um, personally last night uh, at the grocery store. A friend of mine had um, texted me and someone local and got a job um, managing in um, one of the companies in the area. Now, I can't really mention who it is or what company is at that point, at this point. But um, it got me to thinking, like, I work 32 hours a week. And, you know, I make enough money. My bills are so low. I make enough money to pay my bills and help out my wife. Because literally the only thing that I pay for is food. I do like to go out to eat um, and just pick up some food before work. It just makes the work night a little bit better rather than just eating at home. Although sometimes I'll eat at home. But I like to to go out and get prepared foods. Um, As I've mentioned, like picking up burritos and pizza and... um, calzones, uh, strombolis, um, Thai food, you know, stuff like that. Um, it just makes for a better night of work. And it's the one way that I treat myself, you know. Um, but he um, had mentioned, you know, he got a job for 70 grand a year. Um, and he was like, well, what if something like this comes up? And if I had the opportunity, I thought about it for a few hours last night. If I had the opportunity... But I had to work 45 hours a week, but to make three times as much money as I make now, would I do it? And what I came up with, and you'd have to have a lot more responsibility. You wouldn't have the days off necessarily when you want them. Um, And I came up with no thanks, (laughs) you know. I've done that for most of my life. Uh, My wife right now is the breadwinner. She's a teacher. She's been teaching for a while, and she makes good money. Um... She also gets into stuff like doing Instagram, and she um, she teaches in the summer, which is a pretty good hourly wage, like 55 bucks an hour or something like that. So, um, no, you know, I don't think I would do that, you know. I'm pretty happy with, um, and when I'm tired, I say you know a lot, which was pointed out by the NS9 group. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought about it and just, I've been there, you know, at this point, I'm already retired I like my job where I just go in and I do what I can and I do the truck and I get out of there in six or seven hours. And even though it's late night, doesn't bother me, especially in the summer when I can just go straight out to the deck and chill out, especially some of my trees are getting bigger now. I can go sit out in the shade in the summer before work and just read about baseball and stuff like that. So No, thank you. You know, that was the interesting thing that happened. I thought about it. And at least for me, uh, I'm good, man. My car is paid for. You know what I mean? I I got all this stuff. It doesn't um, use a lot of gas. My kids are college is relatively paid for. um, But I send them money when I can. Uh, There's just no reason to do that. And I think that's why a lot of people um, dropped out of the corporate world. And I think that's why you have kind of a shortage now in workers. You know, big people are just living on less, spending less money and not wanting the stress of, 
you know, the corporate world where they just push you harder and harder and harder um, because they want to get the most they can get out of you, even if you burn out. Which actually reminds me of um, something I heard on Pirates Fan Forum that I didn't really like. They were talking about um, we might as well just use up um, Captain Underpants, Dwayne Underwood, um, and just throw him as many innings as we can because we don't need him after this year. You know, I don't really like the way um, that sounded because I never like when people are treated like numbers um, rather than individuals. You know, I mean, Dwayne Underwood is a guy that um, pitches for a living. I know Lila doesn't like it either. Pitches for a living, has a family. Um, I don't like to think about just using him up and then throwing him out, you know, like we did with um, the guy who's pitching in Europe this year. uh, That lefty we had last year that started out really good. Peters. So I did some research for this podcast, though. And first of all, I was just thinking, like, um, what if they can keep it going this year? It wasn't real promising as far as the Pirates go, because there's a lot of examples where um, hot teams uh, start off good in April and they just don't keep it going. <clears throat> when I had season tickets for the Phillies in 2020, the 2002 Phillies um, had a really good record in April and they kept it going in May for the most part. And they were getting the articles on MLB.com, like you see on the Pirates now, uh, as far as teams starting off well and possibly having a good year. And I remember because one reason is because that was the year my son was born. And I remember when I was in the hospital and I was thinking, yeah, you never you can never count out this Phillies team. This was April 27th, my son's birthday. And they didn't come back to win that game, um, but they did hang around. Uh, They had their June swoon. And they were still in the discussion for the wild card at the All-Star break. And actually won a couple games prior to the break um, by, you know, some no-name guy. They don't really have many um, guys you can remember on that team. Um, but they, you know, they fell apart after the All-Star break. There's a lot of that, you know. And there's a lot of teams that actually do really well that start out crappy. Um, like one of the worst to first teams that I looked up. Uh, the 2006-2007 Cubs with Kerry Wood, um, they went from worst to first, and some of that was on pitching. Um, but the team actually started out like 24-32, and 32, and they ended up um, winning the division by two games. So that was one of the worst to first teams that I looked up. Um, another one that just came to mind because I was out in Chicago in 2005, when my daughter was born, um, was the Chicago White Sox. And the reason I remember is um, there was a White Sox fan on my sales team. Yeah, I managed the office and I was also the um, the um, director of sales. Um, so one of the sales guys was a White Sox fan. Most of them were Cubs fans. And he was talking about how, you know, we have the best starting pitching staff in baseball, top to bottom. And everybody was like, yeah, whatever. They had just gone 79 and 82 the year before, or 78 and 82, or um, 79 and 81, whatever that works out to be. You know what I mean? 162 games. doesn't really matter the exact record. But they went on to win um, 97 games with Ozzie Gee and his manager, and they ended up easily winning the World Series. Uh, 
They only had like two or three losses the entire playoffs. And that was the 2005 Chicago White Sox that I looked up. And the other ones actually have some um, uh, some connection with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, the, one, the obvious one is um, the Boston Red Sox. They went from worst to first after general manager Ben Sherrington went on a shopping spree um, the year before, or the off-season before. He spent a lot more money than he did this year uh, and brought in some guys. And um, that particular team also won the World Series like the Chicago White Sox. So we'll get into how this is possible, but not likely, a little later in the podcast. Um, I keep wanting to say that Cody... Duncan, of course, said that this is our year, but he, Cody Duncan, that's just his thing is to do Cody Duncan things. And he gets a lot of likes, you know, from fans, but that's just Cody Duncan, right? Um, But is it their year? Probably not. I don't think anybody actually thinks that, although Barstool Sports has announced that the Pirates rebuild is over and they have arrived. I'm not even sure how um, sustainable this is. Because some of the players are just older. A couple of the best players are just older, like Carlos Santana. And, um, you know, if you want to throw Rich Hill in there, and of course, Andrew McCutcheon. And I don't think they're getting that much of a contribution from Austin Hedges. Although, maybe he is really helping out the pitching coach. Because you would have to say that there's no doubt the Pirates have the best pitching coach in baseball. Because everybody is pitching over their heads even Vince Velasquez, who has never been a good pitcher, who has always been inconsistent, actually put together really good back-to-back starts. And I'm talking really good, you know, like hitting his spots, being kind of nasty. Um, the only qualm that I potentially have with this pitching coach is he has everybody pitching hard sliders. And hard sliders are the most um, injured pitch. Uh the pitchers that go through Tommy John surgery, most of them through hard sliders because it has um, the most impact on your arm more than any other pitch. Because not just are you throwing really hard, but you're also doing some crazy things that force you to put a lot of pressure on your forearm and your elbow. Um, now, fastballs, like the guy that the Pirates are facing on Tuesday... Um, throwing too many, throwing as hard as you can all the time, like Thor used to do, who the Pirates are facing on Tuesday. He wanted to throw 102, 103 the entire game, every pitch. Um, you just can't do that. Um, so that is still the number one, is just throwing too hard. But actually throwing hard sliders um, is the pitch that uh, is most dangerous, you know. Another worst-to-first team had a Pittsburgh connection as well, uh, and that was the Atlanta Braves going in from 90 to 91. And this was the team with Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and a bunch of other really good pitchers, which actually kind of sounds like um, the Pirates team, although I don't know that they have Hall of Fame pitchers on this staff. Um, They have some really good young pitchers. But that team beat the Pittsburgh Pirates in the playoffs because I know I was in college and people were watching it at the party outside. They actually had brought the TV outside, one of those big TVs with the tubes that they used to have. 
back then, they brought the TV outside and we were watching when that play happened. Um, and there was a lot of things about that play. Um, there was um, Barry Bonds. The coaches wanted him to play a little shallower. He didn't want to. The other outfielders wanted him to play a little shallower. He didn't want to. Lo and behold, you know, he gets the base hit, ground ball. He's not playing shallow enough, and he unleashes a bad throw up the line. So, you know, the catcher did a really nice job, but there's nothing he could do. You know, the play was beat. It, was, it wasn't a good throw, and that was the game. Um, but that particular Atlanta Braves team uh, went from worst to first. And so th- those are your worst to first teams that I did some research on and that I looked up. It was um, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the Braves. So um, the Red Sox did it mostly with hitting. The White Sox and Braves did it most, mostly with pitching, although they did have Fred McGriff, the crime dog. Um, I don't know if they had like Chipper Jones or Andrew Jones yet at that point. If they did, those guys were extremely young in their careers. Um, but nevertheless, you know, that Atlanta Braves team, they lost in the World Series. They only won one World Series, even though they had 14 straight division titles, um, which right there is pretty crazy. Um, like the 1993 Phillies beat the Braves um, the next year and so on. But there you have it, you know. There's examples of teams going from worst to first. Um, what are the odds that the Pittsburgh Pirates can keep doing this? Well, the one thing that I look at is they're doing it with starting pitching, just like that White Sox team. And they have potentially, you know, really good starters from, you know, can they go all the way from the gate to the finish line? I don't know. Um, but Roanza Contreras is certainly capable of that. Oviedo is the dark horse who is certainly capable of that. Mitch Keller's a pretty darn good pitcher. And there's a, um, Ortiz has been doing pretty good in the minors. Um, or if one of these other guys, like if they don't flip Rich Hill, or if Vince Velasquez somehow keeps this going, which he never has been able to do before. But it's got to it's gotta be credit to the pitching coach. It's got to be credit to Rich Hill. And it's got to be credit to Austin Hedges. Um, all of those guys that these guys are pitching over their heads. So you would have to do it with starting pitching. Because you would think that the hitting is still just too inconsistent. We don't have a great hitter at catcher. And the more I hear about Andy Rodriguez's injury, the more I worry about it. Um, he got an MRI yesterday. And maybe there's been some updates on that. I haven't gone on Twitter yet today. But it, I don't know, man. The more I hear the tone of people's comments, you know, we just don't know about it yet. Um, usually if, it, if an injury is not serious, you know pretty early on that everything's okay. So, you know, I'm a little worried about Andy Rodriguez helping this team in May. Well, not in May, but in June or July. Um, The worry level is not real super high yet like it was with Burroughs. But I'm I'm a little worried about it um, until I hear exactly what that injury is. But, yeah, we're not going to score a lot of runs on this team. Um, We scored a lot of runs early last year because we played the Washington Nationals. 
and some other teams that ended up having like historically bad pitching. Um, this year, uh, we played the Colorado Rockies out in Colorado, a year where they don't have very good pitching. And we played the um, Cincinnati Reds, which we scored some runs in some of those games, but we were also shut down, you know, by Hunter Green and some guys like that. So the team's not going to hit enough. Um, the team, if the pitching keeps up starting-wise, you know, has a chance to um, be like that 2002 Phillies team probably and hang around until the All-Star break. Um, will they? I don't know. But it looks like it. It really does. And I'm probably sucked into some of that recency bias as well. But the starting pitchers sure look well. I just don't know if the relief pitching can hold up. That's my main concern with this team. Uh, and the other thing I was going to touch on is the Sunday crowd yesterday, 11,300. Or yeah, 11,300 was not real good for a Sunday crowd. I mean, they have had lower Sunday crowds. But normally, you know, you'll get a, pr- a pretty good kids' day crowd because there's usually some kind of giveaway. And 11,300 was disappointing. You know, there hasn't been, there's been some bump in attendance this year, but it hasn't been very much. And we'll see how many people show up for the Dodgers series. And we'll have to see if there's more Pirates fans or Dodgers fans too at those games, which is another interesting thing to watch. But it's a midweek series. So I didn't expect a huge bump like when the Mets or the Phillies or the Cubs come to town over a weekend and people just want to go to Pittsburgh and, you know, have a nice weekend and such, which I do for the Phillies series every year. So that is the main things that I wanted to look at, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates relationship with the fans and if they can keep this up when the fans will come back. Um but right now, they have not. Most fans have not come back. Um, they're still upset about um, the way this team was torn apart way too early in 2016, just to dump salary, you know, after the 2015 team was really good. And they were drawing like 30,000 fans um, a game now. And now they're down to like 15,000 on average fans a game. And that includes giveaways, fireworks. And those weekends, you know, and opening day and those weekends where people come to town. So they're 15th out of 15 in the National League um, attendance wise last year because the Marlins have had some bumps in their attendance. Um, They should probably outdraw the Marlins this year if they can keep it going, although the Marlins have been doing really well. And I'm not sure what the um, Washington Nationals attendance is like. But it can't be that good because that team is just awful and obviously not going anywhere. But, I mean, some of it is going to have to do with they didn't sign Reynolds. I think that ship has sailed. Um, Are they going to be able to extend some guys like Mitch Keller or Roanzi Contreras or O'Neal Cruz? I think people would be happy if he was extended, you know, or some of these guys, you know, are they going to keep them? You know, are they even going to have like a smaller extension for guys like Connor Joe or uh, maybe a two-year extension I mentioned for someone like Carlos Santana because right now they haven't really done it. They haven't extended every anybody. And the reason I mention that is um, the Reds extended Hunter Green, a guy who is somewhat injury-prone, and they're close to signing, uh, extending Nick Lodolo. So the Reds are doing it and the Pirates aren't doing it. 
And that is something that fans take notice on. But most fans, most of that 30,000 that were watching in 2014 and 2015, they just don't care anymore. They, they certainly don't. They might be watching some of these games on TV, but they just don't care enough to spend their hard-earned money at the ballpark. And that's going to be the test. You know, can the Pittsburgh Pirates bring some of those fans back? And will it just be winning or are you going to have some are you going to have to have some kind of monetary commitment to where some of these guys are not going to leave? Um, because I think that's another thing that gets on Pittsburgh Pirates fans is that um, the Cubs or the Cardinals didn't. Well, the Cubs and Cardinals, yes, but the Reds have done a nice job of keeping guys around. Uh, the fans have been thrilled that Joey Votto has been there the whole career. You know, even if they haven't won a championship, at least they got to see Votto for all these years. And, you know, he's very beloved in um, Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati has also signed some other guys um, over the years to long-term, high-paying contracts, even though they're very much as poor as the Pirates. And they've pretty pretty much come out and mentioned it, that, hey, it's really tough to compete in this type of environment. So we'll see what happens. But some of those worst to first teams, um, one of them involved um, the Cubs. Um, one of them involved the White Sox. Um, one of them involved the Atlanta Braves, uh, who um, ended up beating the Pirates in the playoffs. And one of them was run by a man named Ben Sherrington, who has done a really good job here in the last um, 12 months. He's definitely done a much better job lately. And we all have a little bit of that recency bias. So enjoy the week. Enjoy the weather. No game tonight. No minor league games tonight. But just enjoy the fact that the Pirates have the best, best record in the National League. Peace out.